Next on BYU Sports Nation, Threat Level Midnight. The most dangerous player BYU football will face in 2014. Nice office quote. Thank you. BYU National Champion and College Football Specialist Blaine Fowler joins us live to offer his opinion on the matter. Plus, an ESPN NFL reporter on why Daniel Sorensen will make the Kansas City Chiefs final 53. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Now from Studio B, your hosts... Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We're working for the people. BYU Sports Nation on your radio, television, and other media machines presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Tuesday, July 29th, I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who has not washed his car in over three years. Maybe four, Jerem Jordan. I think once. I enjoy the experience of going through a car wash, you know. It's really fun for a little kid. They love it the most. And my wife loves it. But yeah, I, I haven't done that in a while. It's rained recently. Why do I need to wash my car? Ghetto car wash. The rain, right? Yeah. That's the way that's yeah. the way It's to like $10 do it. cheaper. <laughs> Wherever an hour you dialed in, great to have you with this. Uh, you know, I have just the thing for you, my friend. Hmm. So I saw earlier today, and, and you, should, you should go after this once you get your car washed, mm-hmm. but a gold, a 24 karat gold iPhone. I know you're an iPhone guy. iPhone 6. iPhone 6. That hasn't come out yet. You can pre order it. At this place called Brick.com, Brick with two Ks or whatever, for a mere $4,500 low-level model. Well, considering I use the rain and don't even get a car wash, I'm not sure that I'm going to probably get the diamond-crusted diamond crusted, diamond yeah, encrusted, encrusted. You can get a platinum iPhone. one or a 24-karat gold one. Hey, that sounds great. That <laughs> doesn't it? Nat. Now here's the next question. If you buy that phone, what's worth more, your car or your phone? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> a car is worth more than a phone. Well, in that case, yeah, you're, depends That's, how nice your car is. Right? That is absurd. Yeah. Like, if you've got 4400 to blow, don't go buy a gold iPhone. I mean, go on a trip or something. Uh, Trevor Maddich uh, just tweeted, former BYU receiver Cody Hoffman at Redskins camp. He'd be their best red zone wide receiver can sky for high passes. And he has a picture of Cody. Cody looks like an NFL receiver. Number 87. He's looking good. He's the prototype. He's gotten yeah. bigger. He, yeah, he, he looks strong. He's running a 4-2 now. No, just kidding. Tarek El-Bashir, a guy who's joined BYU Sports Nation before, a Redskins beat reporter, said uh, that he, Cody did a good job catching some long balls over the weekend and, and was noticed there. So he's got We're a We're going to see shot. a lot of Cody in the preseason. Like, normally you watch the preseason initially because you're like, football! And then, then you're like, ah. You know, you know, you get in the third quarter, you kind of get bored. You're like, I'm not sure who these guys are. Cody, that's the case for me. Cody Hoppin is going to be playing in a lot of those games for the Redskins. So if you have a chance to watch, watch Cody. BYU has a couple of guys that were undrafted free agents that could make the squad. Ethan Manu Maliuna, Patriots. Daniel Sorensen will address that today uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. among others. Yeah, and ESPN NFL Nation reporter says that he, he anticipates Daniel will make the final 53 from what he has seen thus far. You know what's weird? That's Austin Collie is not on the team. Brett Kiesel's not on the team. That's weird. Those guys Weird. were drafted, and they are not on teams. And here we are talking about Hoffman and Swanson and Manamaliuna, who have chances to to make the, the squad. NFL is a short life, man. It is short. It's a it's a strange beast. Join our conversation whenever you feel like it using the hashtag BYUSN, beginning with today's Twitter question. Who is the most dangerous player BYU will face this football season? 
Use the hashtag BYUSN. We've had some great responses so far. Keep them coming. This is a fun topic. First tweet coming from at Tyler underscore King 40. Have to watch out for Chucky. Yes. Speaking of Chucky Keaton, the Utah State quarterback, he's the best quarterback we play, and this is his last chance to beat BYU. Yeah, there have been some close ones. I mean, How last much year does wasn't he close after he got hurt. Provo, but, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a big game for Utah State and BYU. It's, it, and it's been a good game the last couple of years. Chucky gets hurt, BYU blows Utah State out. But if Chucky's not hurt, that's probably a really good game down to the wire. Is he the best quarterback that BYU will face? According to our Twitter responses. Question mark. Yeah, there, there are quite a few that don't think that he is the guy that plays quarterback that BYU will face this year. BYU Sports Nation simulcast in beautiful radio vision on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Rise and shout on this Tuesday. Wait for it. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Danger is his middle name. Michael Scorn, FBI. Michael Scarn. BYU will face a number of game changers in the 2014 football season. But who is the most dangerous player on that list? An easy answer we already mentioned. Look no further than Logan, Utah, and the Heisman campaign for Chucky Keaton. A guy that's coming back from a busted-up knee. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's amazing. I mean, we'll see what he does. I, I like Chucky Keaton a lot. He's a fun player to watch. To his credit, he's coming off a season-ending ACL injury that he suffered against BYU, and a lot of people still think he's the most dangerous player BYU will face. Yeah. Do, do So, Wani Unga is the guy that did that. Um do do Utah State fans feel like Wani getting hurt against Washington was like retribution or something? I just thought of that. Like you <laughs> they do d- now. You destroyed his knee, and now it's here. <laughs> the Utah State vo- voice of Utah State, Ben Bagley, in my ear said no. We're still That's wor- also out, Lewis. We're still worried about him, and he's coming off a season-ending injury. Yes, that's to his credit. Chucky Keaton is, that good? is a dynamic that good? player, to say the least. His numbers are outstanding. He went 11-2 and two in his first full season as a starter. The, on, the only full season he's had in three years. Got hurt as a freshman and a junior. So if he can to stay me, healthy. he's the most dangerous player. He is. Even coming off that injury. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. He, according to Heisman Pundit. The Heisman Pundit. He's the, on that list. He's the only Heisman, tro- like to me right now, the only legit Heisman Trophy candidate BYU will face. And it's easier for a quarterback to do that because they... They can control so much of the game. You have the ball in your hands so much. Utah State's head coach, Matt Wells, joined us yesterday, and we spoke about that very thing. If your team has an elite quarterback, your team can be successful, thus making your quarterback a dangerous player. We got a quarterback. We got a real guy. We got a chance to make the playoffs and get bonus money. I don't think it matters what level you're at. You get elite play out of the quarterback position, you got a chance to win every week. We should explain the bonus money reference is him talking to players at all sorts, all kinds of levels, including the NFL. Yeah, and they from, reference bonus from money. all levels. Yeah. He said from Logan Junior High up to the NFL. If you have a good quarterback, your team is going to be successful. Who is the best quarterback at Logan High? Riley, Riley Nelson. Nelson. Riley yeah. Nelson. Yep. There's a Riley Nelson reference. Okay, so besides Chucky Keaton, if, if he's the easy answer, there is another quarterback that, quite frankly, I saw up close and personal in Houston on the sidelines that I could not believe was a true freshman. His name is John O'Corn. Jerem likes to call him John Children of O'Corn. When you said John O'Corn, I was like, who's that? Oh, oh John Children of O'Corn, yeah. <laughs> He'll be a sophomore, put up big numbers as a freshman. He's got some really good receivers. Uh, That's an understatement. Returned five of the, five of the six. Fortunately, uh, who was it? Daniel, no, Daniel uh, Spencer and Deontay 
Greenberry, and then yeah. and then uh, Maxwell. Yeah, that I think what Maxwell graduated, luckily. But yeah, Spencer had a huge game. Greenberry finished with twelve hundred yards receiving and stuff. John O'Corn is a good player. Throw into that mix, Deontay Greenberry. He's the he's one of the more dangerous players BYU will play against. In fact, I think he's the best receiver BYU will play. Houston turns a tons ton of people off an eight win team. A lot of momentum, brand new stadium, a lot of energy, excitement. Tony Levine was on the show on Friday. That's a that's a good football team. That's one of the best non P fives, and that's the first home game, and it's. Five days after at Texas. 3,100 yards, 28 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions for John O'Corn. As, as a, a freshman. true freshman. What was amazing is Tony Levine told us on Friday that it was only John O'Corn's second year starting as a quarterback ever. He was a backup his junior year in high school. He took over his senior year in high school, then goes to Houston. His second year as a starter, he does that. What can he do a year stronger, a year wiser, yeah. and with all of that talent coming back with him? including Deontay Greenberry, which brings us to our next guy, Deontay Greenberry. 1,200-plus yards, 82 catches, 11 touchdowns. Those are NFL-type numbers. The best receiver BYU will face, and they'll face some good ones this year. Central Florida has some good receivers. I mean, I don't think there's a a ton of NFL draft picks, per se. One one guy that's probably going to play in the NFL is Jeremy Davis from Connecticut in that first game. He's the best player they have. We'll talk about him a ton on Countdown to Kickoff that day. Uh, leading up to that. But in terms of like most dangerous, when I look at BYU and I think about BYU, like last year's team, Kyle Van Noy, Jamal Williams, Cody Hoffman, Taysom Hill, it's those kinds of guys, like the huge playmakers that really stick out to me. Deontay Greenberry and John O'Corn combined should should give BYU Sports Nation uh, at least a little bit of the increased blood pressure, okay, oh. the spiked blood pressure, because of what they did last year. And now they're a year better. Yeah, and Jay, Jay Ajayi from Boise State. Now that guy's legit. 1,400 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. He had 151 against BYU, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. And I jumped it. It's 151. <laughs> Jay Ajayi rushed for 151 yards against BYU. You and I watched the condensed game, the quick game, like a 30-minute version of that. And I did not feel like he ran for 151 yards in that game when we watched it. How do you quietly run for You'd, 150 BYU plus? led at 31-6 at one point. Like they were, is there a meaningless 151 yards rushing? Yeah, it happened last year against BYU. He's, he's uh, in my opinion, the best running back BYU will face this year. Jay Ajayi of Boise State. Is the he guy's the most off-the-radar dangerous player that BYU is? I mean, how come we're not talking more about this guy? He, went, he ran for over 1,400 yards and 18 touchdowns because, last year. Because BYU won by 17 in that game. That's why. If it had been a close game, if BYU had lost the game, if Boise State had had more than eight wins, then it's a bigger deal. If Boise State didn't turn the ball over like five times against BYU, maybe it's a different yeah. story. Why are we not talking about uh, Jonathan Gray, Malcolm Brown from Texas? Because BYU won that game handily. So it just the perception of danger is lessened because you've already quelled that. Before, but it's at Texas. I mean, that that like what's better, O'Corn to Greenberry or the dual threat running backs from Texas? I mean, both are dangerous, right? I would say for me, running backs don't scare me as much as a quarterback wide receiver combo because BYU is traditionally good against the run. Then you throw in elements like at Texas, and then okay, that scares me more. Okay, yeah, in Provo. Uh, for and they're Houston. at Boise against the Jai, and they're at Texas against those running backs as well, Jonathan Gray and Malcolm. Yeah, Brown. I just I just oh. feel like BYU can go into Boise and win. Do you feel like they can go into Austin and win? Yes, it's going to be should. harder. That's 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 really hard. 
but they can do it. Like, will Texas have will Texas any players to field to the team? Yeah, yeah. Will they be able to field the team at this point? <laughs> and at, re- at, yeah, it really at Together is We Reach had a great joke. He's like, BYU is going to have more basketball players than Texas has football players. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. That, that's, a great, that's a great tweet. Unfortunate for that, Texas. but now, now, that is a raindrop. I, I mentioned yesterday you got to bring the rain to be followed. Like, what do I need to do to be followed? That's a raindrop. That keep, got some good laughs Keep out them of us. coming. Yeah, keep them coming. I said, bring the rain. That's a raindrop. Keep Who it going. Who is the most dangerous player BYU will face this football season? Some more of your Twitter responses now. It's Twitter time. Really? At Nathan Mills. I think John O'Corn, the sophomore quarterback from Houston, is correctly. the scariest good player we see this year. So there's a vote for John O'Corn. It's children of O'Corn, people. <laughs> it's part of the name. It, you know what's funny? I think that BYU Sports Nation knows him more than others because we have that nickname. I wonder if John <laughs> O'Corn knows that he has been dubbed John Children of O'Corn. I'm sure it's not the first time he's heard that before. It couldn't we're, be. We're not. It couldn't hey, be. Hey, we're original thinkers, but we didn't think of that one no. first. Right? <laughs> At Chess Sports, I'm not worried about Chucky. Yes, great player. But it's in Provo, and who else does Utah State have? That's a easy great... win? Uh, I wouldn't say Ooh. easy because they hashtag Aggie Tears. Don't leave that off. Oh. Uh, I think uh, offensively, it's going to be a struggle. They only have three returning starters. They're they have one of the best on linebackers in the country, though. Their defense will be good. Yeah, they have Vigil, Fackrell. Uh, they have a good D. But they, they only return five guys on D, three on offense. An easy Eight is tied win, for fewest in FBS. It's, no, it won't be easy. BYU should win the game in Provo. What happened the last two times it was in com- Provo? It's been a competitive game, yeah. They took BYU a miracle from heroics. Riley Nelson and then a 6-3 to three win in 2012. Yeah. I, no, I, I think that's a big game for BYU. This is I think a it's like the Utah State squad. Fifth on the schedule, but yeah. is, Ch- I'm, is Chucky healthy? I mean, is the knee good? You know. I hope that he's in that game and healthy. Also trending in BYU Sports Nation, American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco says BYU will be on upcoming schedules, quote, quite a bit at the conference's annual media day in Newport, Rhode Island. Oresco mentioned a future game against Tulane to us on BYU Sports Nation unannounced. earlier this year. BYU already has, get this, nine games scheduled against AAC teams over the next five years, and that is not including the Miami Beach Bowl where That's they right. will play an AAC team. Good grief. So they're kind of a de facto member of the A's. Oresco also said they're not looking to expand. No news there. More trouble for the Texas Longhorns. Also, Blaine Fowler joins us next. Who's on his list of most dangerous players? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B in the BYU Broadcasting Building. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. At Justin D. Sweeney tweeted, Going to be a great day. Just listen to BYU Sports Nation's podcast on the commute to work. Hashtag 1X speed. Hashtag not ADD. <laughs> he, he wants to he enjoy did, it wanna... in normal, in real time. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. It's not. Uh, but we have a podcast. That's the point. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, to our podcast. That's brand new as of Friday. We're pumped. There are a couple of other ways you can do it if you have an Android as mm-hmm. well that we've, we've learned about. Um, so there, there are ways to get it. You can also check out the RSS feed at BYURadio.org. Yep. You can still stream the video and audio, BYUSportsNation.com, BYUTV.org, slash DVR. So available to stream and now downloadable via the podcast. Uh, I mentioned this right before we went to break. Texas football on the verge of kicking off more players from their team. What? For- Horns Digest says receiver Dajay Johnson and tackles Desmond Harrison and Kennedy Estelle are down to their last strike. So they face suspension. They might be off the team for good. Okay, New head coach Charlie Strong has already dismissed 
six players. Wow. He's, he's really laying down the law there. This is Charlie Strong's team, not Mac Brown's team. And so that'll be interesting. Like, are they going to be hamstrung with those players missing when they play BYU? I wonder if he'll reinstate them with good conduct. We'll see. But if they're missing some guys and BYU goes down there and play, plays them without some of the – I mean, we're talking about of those six guys, some of those are starters. A safety, running back. Now we're talking. Dajay Johnson, according to ESPN's Joe Tessitore, was De'Anthony Thomas of Oregon fast, like that explosive. Speaking yeah, of dangerous players. He's still got to prove himself, but he's fast, yeah. But that's the kind of talent that you're dealing with when you talk about the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, it I mean, did them a lot of good in Provo last year. <laughs> oh, snap! Shots like, fired! Like, yay, talent! Yay, great! Do it! Like, win! Go, prove it. Who is the most dangerous player BYU will face this football season? Joining BYU Sports Nation now, the most dangerous college football analyst in the business. Nice. I see what you did there. Blaine Fowler. Blaine! Who is wow, your guy? Okay, all right. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> who's, so, who's your guy? Who's the most dangerous player that BYU will face in 2014? Well, I, I know I know that you guys have already thrown this out there because there's no way you could have even been talking about this for 15 minutes without putting Chucky e. Keaton right at the top of the list. Yeah, he's the guy. Which which is, which is amazing to me for a guy that didn't play last year, really. But but he's just so talented, and he's such a playmaker, and he makes such a difference, and he. He's one of those guys that you put him out on the field, then the other ten guys are way better because he's out there. And so he's, he's that special kind of player. And, and remember, before he got hurt in that BYU game, he was on a roll. He had 18 touchdowns and just two interceptions up to that point. 70% and, completion percentage. Yeah, and that's just the year before when, when, when he was fairly healthy, he, uh, you know, he, he's completing almost 70% of his passes. I mean, just, he just... He's just a great decision maker. Um, he understands how to make plays. He extends plays, and he seems to thrive in big games. So you know that that's a, that BYU game is a game that's circled in his mind on the calendar that he gets to come out and play great. I mean, I remember as a freshman he was great in big games. And so if, if he's healthy and, and that knee is, is able to hold up, I don't know that there's a more complete player in the country than BYU you know, could face this year. He, he's that good. So Chucky's right at the top. But um, And who knows who he's going to be throwing the ball around to this year. He's got some yeah. solid receivers. But they've got a lot of changes on offense. I think they're going to be really good on defense, and and uh, especially at linebacker with Fackrell and Vigil and those guys. So that, the thing that's also scary about that game, that's a game that I think in BYU, in the, in the mind of the typical BYU fan, they just think that's a walk. That BYU's just going to win that game. No problem. Let's beat Utah State. And I don't know that it's that simple. That's a pretty good football team with a good defense. And you add Chucky Keaton to that mix, and he becomes very scary, and that team becomes scary because of the expectations. Absolutely. He's definitely a good player. I wonder how, if Utah State takes a step back, I'm not sure. They just lost so many guys. But other players that have been discussed, uh, John O'Corn getting a lot of love, John Children of O'Corn. Other players that we've talked about, Jay Ajayi. Uh, Deontay mm-hmm. Greenberry, receiver from Houston. Who else is in the mix is most dangerous in your opinion? Blaine? You know, I like I, I like that you guys mentioned O'Corn, and the reason O'Corn's so dangerous not only because he's talented, because he comes back with that receiving core almost intact. And you yeah. guys mentioned Greenberry, and Daniel Spencer goes along with that. And that. That's a lot of receptions, and it's like 1,900 yards combined just for those two guys, and they both average over 14 yards a catch. And then Greenberry, 11 touchdown catches. So, so that's. That receiving core combined with a really talented quarterback makes that, that a scary team. We're going to see some great receiving core. Central Florida, 
Um, and I don't know if you, have you guys talked about them at all, about that receiving core with Hall and, and Perriman and Wharton and that group. They, they don't scare me quite as bad as Houston because they lose Bortles. Yeah. And you know, I don't know who the guy's going to be there. Is it going to be Justin Holman who played some games last year? Is it going to be the redshirt freshman? Um, or, or are they going to play the true freshman who was a big-time recruit? Now, I, one of those so guys, I, I, Blaine, is Nick Patty, the backup at Boise State. He right. got, he got in so, the game against BYU. So who knows who that's going to be, but whoever it is, you've got really, really explosive receivers, and Rennell Hall, Rashad Perriman, J.J. Wharton. Those and are the top only, three. They're, they're, they're big guys, so they're difficult to defend. They have tremendous speed. Perriman averaged over 20 yards a catch last year, so he's explosive. He had, he had only 39 receptions and he had over 800 yards. But then Hall is one of the most dangerous kick return players that BYU will face. And J.J. Wharton is a preseason all-everything punt returning. And he's just an acrobatic, crazy kind of guy. So in terms of the talent and receiving core, I think that Central Florida is going to have the best overall scary talent. The question is, is there going to be a trigger man there that can get them the football that they need to? And, and not only can they hurt you catching the football, but but those two guys can hurt you in the kick return game and the punt return game. So that's a scary group. But we're going to pick out position groups that are scary. I think Central Florida's receiving core is as scary as BYU will play this year. Blaine Fowler, former BYU quarterback and national champion on BYU Sports Nation, has been doing this for 28 years. Uh, we're talking about the most dangerous players that BYU will face. I want to step aside from that for just a moment, Blaine, to address some news that came out early this morning from the American Athletic Conference with teams like Houston and Central Florida. Their conference commissioner, Mike Oresco, says that BYU will be on the schedule quite a bit in the future, and it's almost like he is courting BYU to be a football-only member of the AAC. I can't believe I'm going to ask you this, but I, but I want to get your opinion on the matter. Is there any scenario where BYU would consider joining the AAC as a football-only? I think it would have to be a scenario where the Big 12 was just so far out of reach at that point that where there was just no talk anymore and it was a complete dead issue before BYU would, would do the American Athletic Conference just because they're, they're doing just, I think that that's not a huge step forward when, it, when you consider independence versus that. I, I think that a conference like the Big 12 or the Pac-12 would make a difference. I, I could see them entering into a scheduling agreement with them. And isn't it interesting, on the heels of not very many weeks ago, you know, uh, teams saying that BYU is not going to count as a Big Five in scheduling for the SEC. That at the Pac-12 media days, um, Scott says, you know, their commissioner says, "Yeah, I think it's very healthy for us to schedule BYU. We got a lot of teams scheduling BYU, and that's good. We consider them a power team, and it's it's good for strength of schedule." So he comes out and says that. And now at the American Athletic Conference means the commissioner of that league says, "Oh yes, we're going to you're going to see a lot of." So it's almost anti of what we heard a few weeks ago, and I think that's good. It's good publicity when anybody talks about BYU and wanting to schedule them and the fact that it strengthens their strength of schedule. Yeah, the, the American was a uh, big six, power six conference last year. Central Florida wins the league. They go to the Fiesta Bowl. They win. This year they're not. But they feel like they have a powerful place outside and want to get back in because they produce a BCS game-winning team and the national champion in men and women's basketball. So a relationship with BYU and the American I think is a good thing. And Blaine, we've talked about this a lot, which is if BYU's uh, going to play a handful of P5s, why not play the best of the rest? And some of those teams are in the American, and BYU will play them. Central Florida, Houston, 
Cincinnati. 2015 against Cincinnati. East Carolina yep. won 10 games a year ago. Uh, and then you have other games in the future with those teams. That's a good relationship for BYU as an independent. Absolutely. I noticed in the, in the American Athletic Conference preseason poll that they've got Houston picked second and has Cincinnati back up there at the top of the league this year. I think that's based on Bortles you know, going off to the NFL. And But I will not be surprised if that's just reversed by the end of the season and, and uh, UCF is on top of there and Cincinnati is too, you know. They're a good football conference. Are they underrated at the top? Probably. But when their commissioner says, we're going to bang on the door and knock it down, and we're going to become the sixth power conference. I don't see how that's going to happen. How, yeah, do, do you see well, any they, way they, that they, happens? They'd have, to, they'd have to get a BYU, and maybe they have to get a Boise State. Now, and if Boise State, I think this is a very important year for Boise State in the college football landscape because they took a step back last year. And then, and in terms of prominence on the national conscious, uh, um, and I think that if when their head coach leaves and goes up to Washington, that's a bad signal as well. And so I think this is a big year for them. I think that Boise State needs to go out and win their conference championship again and get get their name back in the conversation at the top, or they're at risk for kind of dropping out of that that mindset that the nation has that they're one of the best of the non Power Five conferences. So it's important, but if they had a great year this year, again, and say they were at 10 wins and they were ranked again, everybody's like, oh, okay, Boise State's back. Order is restored to the universe, and, and they're back where they should be. And Brian Harson, Brian Harson is the answer. And, and, and so if that happens, and then the American Athletic Conference could convince maybe Boise State and BYU to come in, and Houston continues are, uh, you know, those school, the schools that BYU is scheduling at the top continue to be good. Now if there's five or six good teams, now they can make. Now they can maybe make that statement and make a push. Blaine Fowler on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk Texas, Blaine. You're going to be at the game in Austin. I'm just not sure who you're going to see on the field that's wearing a Longhorns uniform. And I said that partially tongue in cheek, but you almost feel bad for Texas and Charlie Strong. He's already dismissed six players, and now he's on the verge of kicking more players off the team, including Dajay Johnson, who is a special teams expert, a speed guy, and tackles Desmond Harrison and Kennedy Estelle. Desmond Harrison, I believe, is a senior. What's going yeah, on in Texas? You know, and, and that's on the heels of Bergeron, the running back, who's a big contributor, and Josh Turner, who's a really good safety. I mean, they, he's sending a message. And they, they've got a lot of talent at Texas, and they've got a lot of depth at Texas. And what Charlie Strong's doing is he's saying, you know what? We have enough depth. We've got enough quality talent. What we haven't had here the last couple of years is discipline. And by God, we're going to have it. And it's interesting. He came right out in, the, in their media days and said, Big 12 media days, and said, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't think we're going to compete for a national championship this year. Um, but we're going to turn things around here. We're going to be a disciplined football team that plays with discipline. And so that's the message. Now, I think they're going to be better. I, I, people are thinking, oh, well, they'll win seven or eight games. I think they're going to be better than that because I think their backups in, in terms of talent are as good as most programs have as frontline starters. And if he can get the most out of those players and they play with discipline and they execute, uh, I still think they can be a very good team. That team last year, that's one of the most worst executed defensive game plans I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. In my, in my football years, ever, by Texas. They're way too talented to play that poorly and to have that bad a game plan and to adjust so poorly in a game. And their D coordinator gets fired right after that game and then Matt Brown fired at the end of the year. I liken this to when... Utah had a ton of talent that Rob McBride had brought there, 
and they just weren't quite getting over the hump because they just weren't quite disciplined enough. Urban Meyer came in, and you'll remember, he suspended some folks, and he did some things, and he said, we're going to be disciplined, we're going to do things right. Um, and they go out, and they were really good the next couple of years. And I think Charlie Strong's going to turn that program back into a top-ten power because they, can, they have resources, and they always get great talent. You add discipline and good game planning to that, now they're going to be a scary team. And so I think they're going to be better than people think, even with dismissing nine guys, if that's the case. 2014 is the perfect time to play Texas, to go down there and win. Uh, Blaine, yesterday on the show we talked about some of the biggest question marks going into fall camp, which starts this Friday for BYU. We talked about the receivers. You know, Who are these new guys? How good actually are they? Uh, will the secondary live up to the hype? Will the O-line improve? You know, uh, What are some of the biggest question marks in your mind going into camp? I have one overriding question that needs to be answered for me, and it won't get answered until we see him play a couple of games. And that is, is the offensive line going to play at a, a more physical level and are they going to be able to knock people off the football and be better as a group? Because if that happens, then BYU, I think, can have a very special season. I really don't have questions about the receiving core. I think they're amazingly talented. I saw enough of them in spring ball to believe that they can be really good. I, I but, saw enough but we progress. Didn't, we didn't see Leslie and Blackman and die. That's the question yeah. for me. And, and those guys just add pieces of athleticism um, to that to that core. I, I think they're Leslie is a proven commodity. Like, like, what does he have to prove? He's already proven it. He's played at a big time level. He's going to be productive. We don't need to worry about him now. Blackman, we don't know, but least least you know, worst case scenario, he's going to come stretch the field for BYU, and they haven't had that. I mean, he's going to run sub ten five down the middle of the field, and safety's going to be scared to death whether he can catch the football or not. <laughs> and so, so, so that's going to help and stretch defenses. That's nice to have that kind of guy. Um, you know, we saw Kurtz. I think I think he can be a big time player. We got to keep you know some of the guys at BYU has coming back in the program healthy. Um, but I, I think that that group. I don't have a lot of questions about that group. I think they're going to be productive, and I think that Taysom Hill. Um, is going to take a big step forward in terms of his decision-making. I want to see his percentage up there where Chucky Keaton has been. You know, where Cody Fajardo, where Cody Fajardo has been, the, the guy in Nevada. He's a you know, similar skill set. Uh, Fajardo, four-year starter, he's 68% career completion wow. percentage yeah. over four years. I want to see Taysom Hill up in those mid-60s, and I think we'll see it this year. And if we do, this will be a prolific offense. But And defensively, I just never really worry about that. With Bronco Mendenhall, I just never worry about it. They've got enough good bodies. They're deep in the secondary. So, so it comes back to this for me. Is that line going to be big and nasty and knock people off the football? Are they going to be able to convert on third and one? When they get down in the red zone, are they going to be able to move the line of scrimmage so that they can run the football down there and open up passing lanes? Um, if they do, then this can be a really special season. And, and I, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know that we'll know the answer at the end of fall camp. I think by the time they, they get done with UConn, Texas, and Houston, we'll know the identity of that O-line, and we'll know whether this is going to be a special team or not. Blaine Fowler on BYU Sports Nation. One thing we didn't address yesterday, and maybe these go hand-in-hand hand with the offensive line, but is the red zone execution. And we call it the red zone because it wasn't good enough to be called the blue zone last year. Red is in stop. But is, is the key to getting points scored in the red zone the offensive line, Blaine? 
I, I believe that that's the number one component. And then, then quarterback decision-making, and when I talk about that, timely decision-making, so quick decision-making helps. And I think we're going to see that happen. That's a natural progression of a quarterback. The issue be what you had last year is they could move the football, they get down there. Then defenses can sit on routes, and, and, and the throwing lanes are a lot smaller when you get down inside the 20 because the back of the end zone is the defender. You don't have to worry about getting beat deep, so you're going to sit on routes. Um, teams play zone down there. Those zones can be a lot tighter because they don't have to worry about you stretching the field vertically. And so, so all of a sudden throwing lanes are smaller. You've got to make them respect that you can knock them off the football and run the ball down there or they're, they're, they're going to be able to defend the pass. And so I think the teams that are really prolific in the red zone have that ability to run the football. And BYU just didn't do that well in the red zone last year. And then Taysom Hill was a work in progress as the season progressed. His decision-making got better and better and quicker and quicker. So he's going to be better. I really believe he'll get the ball out quicker. That receiving core, there's some mismatches down there now in the red zone with size, where they'll be able to match up and take advantage of size. But it all comes back to this. Are they going to be average in the red zone or are they going to be great? If they can knock people off the ball and effectively run it, and now they're scary in the run game down there, this can be a great offense. Blaine Danger Fowler bringing it again on BYU Sports Nation. Always good to talk to you, Blaine. Good to talk to you guys, too. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Football is just around the corner. Fall camp, they report on Thursday, first practice on Friday. I like what Blaine said. The O-line is the key to red zone offense. If they can be nasty and physical, and that's what they kind of worked up to. I feel like last year was just sort of this project of, all right, we've got this new offense. Uh, Go fast, go hard. Now it's, all right, we know what to expect, and we can actually do it. It's year two. We get our first gander at what that offense will look like on on Friday. Friday. That's, That's the only practice we can watch the whole thing, except when they scrimmage at LES. A current Cougar in the NFL making waves. Will he make the roster? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is Mike Lolisa, and this is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and BYU TV. That is the formula for Radio Vision. We are on BYU Radio simulcast every weekday live on BYU TV. We welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation with myself, Spencer Linton, co-hosting with Jerem Jordan. Hey, check out uh, different interviews and highlights we throw up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Sports. One's like the interview we just had with Blaine Fowler where we addressed his most dangerous player. He agreed with us, Chucky Keaton from Utah State. Uh, and other things, including red zone offense, what the key to it is, which he mentioned, the offensive line. The offensive line being the key to be better in the red zone. If BYU's not better in the red zone this year, it's not, it's not going to be awesome. Who is the most dangerous player that BYU will face in 2014? Now, some interesting reaction coming in on Chucky Keaton. This from at Crazy Skillet. No, Keaton is overrated. 2013, he had 26 yards in a quarter. He was injured, of course. 2012, he had 202 yards in Provo, no touchdowns. 2011, had 122 yards passing. Okay, so his numbers against BYU, to this tweet, yeah. that's, that's correct, okay, have, to, have not been great. It's what he's done against other teams like but, yeah, makes, Auburn and Wisconsin. and He's, he's played well against they, other they, good teams. And they didn't win those games. But, I mean, he go, going into the BYU game last year, at what, 18 18- what did Blaine say? 18 touchdowns, two picks, 70% completion 70%. percent. Okay, that 2012 defense for BYU that won the game. One of the best they've ever had. Top five. They Maybe the best defense BYU's ever had. They were really good. Chucky's a good player. Is he overrated? I don't. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. 
He's had one year healthy, and in that year, they didn't play hardly anybody, but they went 11-2, and two, and they finished as a ranked team. If he's healthy, they are dangerous. At DBOBX says this, would have to disagree on the Chucky Keaton thing with, mm-hmm. with Blaine. He has yet to figure out Broncos' defense. Look okay. at his stats in all three games he's played against the Y. So that, These are valid points. Yeah, yeah. sure. Bronco Mendenhall perhaps has figured out how to defend Chucky Keaton. At least he has for the first three games, right? Yes, yes. And I think that assuming is a little dangerous in a lot of ways, okay? BYU, uh, this is Jaime Hill Part 2. Nick Howell is going to call the plays. Now, we asked Brian Logan on BYU Sports Nation last week, what kind of difference will that make? And he said he doesn't think any. There's going to be a difference. Nick Howell is not Bronco Mendenhall. As much as we think he, he is like him, he is not him. How much will Bronco release the slack on Nick Howell? That's a great question. I don't know. We'll f- let's ask Bronco on Friday after practice. And let's ask Nick Howell, like, how much autonomy does Nick have? Because the Jaime Hill project, BYU went 1-4. and four. Part of the reason is the offense couldn't figure it out with Jake Heaps, a uh, young gun then. But... Uh, then Jaime Hill's fired. Bronco takes it back, and all is well, right? They finish 7-6, and six, win the bowl game, go into the next year, all is great. Didn't end up great. But defensively, Bronco said, I have to step in. I, I anticipate that Nick Howell is more on board with what's going on than Jaime Hill because Nick's been here longer. Uh, he's sort of his protege. He looks like him. I he's mean, that, Bronco light. He's Bronco light. So I wonder what kind of difference that will make. I'm telling you there's going to be some kind of difference. It won't look the exact same because they're not the same person. Nick Howell's going to have to figure out how BYU will defend these dangerous players like Chucky Keaton. Some other guys we've been talking about. John O'Corn, the quarterback for Houston, is a true freshman, lit up BYU with, I mean, Probably the best wide receiving core in the American Athletic Conference. And that's saying something because Cincinnati has good receivers. Central Florida has good receivers. Houston brings back some serious They're weapons. They're top three. Deontay BYU Greenberry, loses Daniel their Spencer. top three. Yeah. And Central Florida returns the top three. Houston, the top two out of three. Always good when you can bring that back. We've talked about this, but BYU saw that they had, oh, we're going to lose our top three receivers. We've got to bring in some talent. So they did, and right away. Kurtz enrolled before signing day in December. Uh, Leslie. And, and Blackman. Leslie Blackman, all those guys. Blaine said that Jordan Leslie has proven himself in big-time college football and that he's good. I agree for the most part. I want to see Jordan Leslie in a BYU Cougar uniform with Taysom Hill on that line with BYU's playbook. That's, that's the only thing that I'm sort of – I just want to see it. It can be in practice even. I just want to see it, and then I'll be like, Jordan Leslie, check. Yeah. All sorts of national news. Uh, the American Athletic Commissioner, Mike Oresco, says BYU will be on upcoming schedules quite a bit. He also said that they're going to knock down the door and become the sixth power conference. How? I, yeah. How does he plan on doing that? That's a great question. They just question. got kicked out of the party, and they're like, we're going to come back into that party, and we're going to party hard. Like, B- how? You just got booted. BYU opens the season against an AAC team. Yes, they do. Countdown to Connecticut. 31 days. Hey, let's roll it again. One more let's time. Let's roll it One again. One more time. Yep. Countdown to Connecticut. <laughs> One month away. One month. One month from today. BYU, BYU August Connecticut. 29th. Yes. Football. Uh, an actual college football game featuring BYU in one month. Practice this week. I mean, we've been joking for a long time about this. It's real. Next on BYU Sports Nation, an ESPN NFL reporter says Daniel Sorensen will make the Kansas City Chiefs final roster. He joins us next. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. We are in Radio Vision, my friends. BYU Radio, BYU TV. And there's a podcast now. Download it on iTunes. If you haven't uh, checked that out, try that out. Uh, you can download it. And uh, like Spencer, you can listen to it when you run. <laughs> At two times the speed. Yes. Makes me run faster. It's awesome. Try it. Who is the most dangerous player BYU football will face this season? Keep your responses coming. Of course, use the hashtag BYUSN. Joining the show now, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Adam Teicher. Adam, uh, you mentioned the other day on Twitter that Daniel Sorensen, a former BYU player, safety now for the Chiefs, is a guy that you expect to make the 53-man roster in Kansas City. What has he done to give you that kind of an impression? Well, first of all, it's it's real early to be making these uh, predictions. That didn't stop me from doing it, but it's it's still real early, and this thing could go either way for Daniel Sorensen. I mean, it's he certainly he's not a lock to make the team by any stretch. But at this point, I do think that um, he'll make the team. You know, that that's a guy I think caught some people's eye during the off-season practice particularly. I mean, he showed a, 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 some pretty good instincts and some pretty good ball skills. And right away, you, you're, you're saying, okay, this guy has something to work with here. And a lot of times, you know, particularly with developmental players, that's really all you're looking for. You're not necessarily looking for a guy who can help you out right away, but maybe somebody who's got some skills that you can develop and, and maybe you have a pretty good player down the road. So that's, I think, what the Chiefs are thinking about with Daniel Sorensen. But, you know, having said all that, um, you know, he came to the right place. I mean, the Chiefs need safeties. I mean, they've got uh, some real problems. They've got Eric Berry, a pro bowler. And other than that, you're talking about journeymen and, and guys who are you know, developmental-type players like, like uh, Daniel himself. I mean, you're, you're talking there's, – there's, there's, they're looking for safeties. And, um, you know, if he plays well in the preseason, he plays well – they're about a week into camp. They've still got uh, some time to go there, too. But if he continues to play well and show the things that he has been showing, I say I project him to make the team. I don't think they'll uh, be ready to turn him loose. I don't know how much he'll play, Maybe, probably mostly on special teams, at least as a rookie. But uh, um, I do project that going forward that if he continues the arc that he's on, he'll make the team. Adam, you mentioned on your blog on ESPN.com that uh, Sanders Cummings hasn't practiced yet because of an injured foot. Could Daniel does yeah. Daniel have that much better of a chance to make the team given maybe a couple injuries like that one? There's no doubt about it. I mean, we talked about Eric Berry a minute ago. Their other starting safety is Hussein Abdullah, who was a backup last year, and and uh, you know the Chiefs had problems at free safety. If they thought so much of Abdullah, you think they would have gone to him last year when they were struggling uh, with the starter, a guy by the name of Kendrick Lewis. So there's those are your starters. Sanders Cummings, you'd figure, would be the third safety. But, he, again, he hasn't practiced yet. He's got a bad foot. I thought he might be back by now, but he's not. And, um, you know, no telling exactly when he'll come back. He's been a an injury-plagued guy, and that, that does help Daniel Sorensen. You know, after that, they've got, again, a collection of younger developmental-type guys. They do have a, a, a guy named Jaron McMillan, who's played a little bit for the Packers, but he's more of a, a journeyman type, and, and that might be uh, Daniel Sorensen's biggest competition um, for a roster spot. But, um, you know, I, I do think that uh, as long as Cummings is out, that certainly helps all those guys, Sorensen in particular. 
ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Adam Teicher on BYU Sports Nation. Adam, having covered the Chiefs for 20-plus years now, uh, you've become familiar with the San Diego Chargers and their star safety, Eric Weddle. The reason I bring up Eric Weddle is because Daniel has kind of, at least he's told us, patterned his game and his development after the way that Weddle plays the game. Do you see any of Daniel Sorensen in Eric Weddle? Well, it's pretty early to, to say that. But, I, you know, again, I'll say this. There are some things to work with there. I mean, I think let's just say the Chiefs decide they're going to move on. I would think somebody would take a chance on him because there, there's enough there that uh, to work with for sure. I mean, he's, he, like I said, I, I, he shows some pretty good instincts and some pretty good ball skills. And he, it's, it's hard to find that combination in an undrafted player. I mean, you know, that's why these guys generally aren't drafted. So, you know, I, hey, it's, it's, there's a lot of work for him to do. He's got, he's, he's got some things he's got to prove yet. He hadn't made the team yet for sure. And, and, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if it went the other way but uh, right now again I, I do project him to make the uh, the 53 man roster Adam one of uh, Daniel's best traits maybe his best skill is punt cover he was we joked that he was a first team all-american special teamer in that his punt cover he probably knocked in his career knocked down inside the five or ten ten to fifteen different punts catching them getting there uh, batting them out of the end zone. He was tremendous in that. When we talked to him on this show, we didn't get the sense that he had really practiced that or been able to show that with the Chiefs quite yet. Have you noticed that yourself? Has he been given a chance to show his prowess in that? No, you know, they work on that a little bit during practice, but it's it's not really live like you see it in the game. So you know, but but you bring up a good point. I mean, that's that'll be probably how he makes the team if indeed he does is with special teams. I mean, if he's going to be active um, on game day, he's going to have to play on special teams, and um, you know that's one place he can uh, he can um, make a real impact. Um, you know, the Chiefs lost a couple of their core special teams guys, so they're looking for some help there. And uh, you know, that's that's one place where absolutely he can make a huge impact. And if he is that good on special teams, that's just another thing in his favor. So when would he get a chance, if at all, to show show his skills in that? Well, they, they'll play. You know, they'll do some again in practice so leading up to it. But their first preseason game is a week from Thursday against Cincinnati at Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, I, I think the Chiefs want to see. You know, there, there's a number of guys they want to see. It's not just Daniel Sorensen, but I think this is one of the guys they want to see when the lights come on, so to speak. You know, he, he's familiar with the, the guys he's been practicing against here. Now, they, you know, they were doing it all spring, and then for the last week or so in camp. Um, I, I think that now that they want to see him go up against outside competition, see what he can do again, not only on defense, but special teams. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the best way to sum it up with him is I think there's a roster spot there for the taking. I mean, the Chiefs look, are looking for safeties. And, uh, you know, if he shows well, I think, uh, I, I think it's his maybe. Maybe this is a little bit too strong, but maybe it's his job to lose as a backup safety because uh, um, there's, there's certainly a lot to work with there. Adam, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate the insight on Daniel Sorensen. I know a lot of uh, people in, in Utah and across BYU Sports Nation are rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs with the BYU ties and Andy Reid, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, in, this, in the near future. Hey, anytime, guys.
So Daniel Sorensen on the 53-man roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's their guy. That's the inside reporter for ESPN. Yeah, he said it's a little early and said maybe it's too strong, but maybe it's But him, he's projecting him to make the team. Here, here's my concern with this. He needs a chance to show that he's really good in punt cover because then he's probably on the team. He'll get that during the preseason, you would think. You hope so, right? That's why I asked that. That's when why they have those it? games. Yeah. It's like the informal tryout to make the team. Does he have to raise his hand like, can I be on punt cover? <laughs> Put me in, coach, please. Cougar Whip Round hits next. BYU Sports Nation is presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. About to wrap things up in Studio B. But not before. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. American Athletic Commissioner. American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco <laughs> says BYU will be on the upcoming schedules quite a bit in the future. Uh, nine games scheduled in the next five seasons. They're having their media days. He's talking about that. Throw in the Miami Beach Bowl. BYU's playing the American a lot. Football. The NationalFootballLeague.com <laughs> is ranking all of the college football <laughs> teams. BYU is number 27. I like it. Just outside the top 25, ahead of Texas Tech, Louisville, Florida, Central Florida, and Michigan. Nice. Football. Texas is on the verge of kicking more players off the team, apparently. Horns oh. Digest says receiver... Daje, how do you say it? Daje? Daje Johnson. Daje Johnson and tackles Desmond Harrison and Kennedy Estella are down to their last strike. New head coach Charlie Strong is inserting discipline in us. Yes. Baseball. Colton Mahoney probably pitched in the Cape Cod League All-Star Game on Sunday. We don't know. (laughs) Because the Cape Cod League website didn't update anything. We went there this morning. We're like, how'd it go? We have we Nada. have reached out to Colton, and They're we will find out. Busy playing baseball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Future guests. How about David Mills, yeah. all-time BYU great tight end, wide receiver type? He'll join national us champ. tomorrow as we continue uh, recapping thirty years later that national champ. Every Wednesday team. we do our eighty-four team member. It was David Kelly Mills. Smith last Wednesday. Yeah. Thousand-yard tight end in eighty-four. Tim Twentyman. Detroit Lions insider, a guy who writes for the Detroit Lions uh, website, will join us. Kyle Van Noy injured his thumb last night. He said that, that he doesn't anticipate that will have much of an effect, but KVN, not the start you would hope for, injuring anything Uh-oh. as Lions camp gets underway. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. And it goes to the entire school of BYU. Of the University of Brigham Young University. Brigham! Ninth-ranked college for your money. Time.com said that. Nice. Only ninth? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Hey, top ten, baby. That's a top ten. Top ten, baby. There are a ton, a ton of schools. Our Twitter question, who is the most dangerous player BYU will face this football season? Send in your responses using the hashtag BYUSN. Thanks to our guests today, Blaine Fowler and Adam Teicher. Follow us on Twitter, at BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to Byron Frisch. We're back tomorrow.